Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. This is Father Brian Christensen broadcasting live from the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in sunny Rapid City, South Dakota. And I'm with Karen Gieb is my co-host. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Father. I We were just talking before the show here that on this uh, beautiful day, we should broadcast every day from Rapid City because every day broadcast day is a... Gorgeous, gorgeous day. It is. It's going to be 55 degrees and sunny here. The snow is slowly, uh, slowly uh, melting away, but it is a beautiful day. And today, uh, the Church Universal is celebrating the uh, solemnity of St. Joseph. This is what a great day for the year of St. Joseph. The, just the, the beautiful, beautiful way that we can honor St. Joseph, but to have it be a double meaning today with the year of St. Joseph and the Feast of St. Joseph. The year of St. Joseph, a great year of grace and uh, certain indulgences uh, attached to various uh, devotional practices, and maybe we'll get to that later in the show, um, but uh, we should begin with prayer. Yes, we should, Father. All right. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. To you, O blessed Joseph, do we come in our tribulation And having implored the help of your most holy spouse, we confidently invoke your patronage also through the charity which bound you to the Immaculate Virgin Mother of God and through the paternal love with which you embrace the child Jesus, we humbly beg you graciously to regard the inheritance which Jesus Christ has purchased by his blood and with your power and strength to aid us in our necessities. We ask you to watch over us and guide us today and always, that we may follow your example and obtain every grace through your intercession. Help us to grow in this year closer to you, closer to your spouse Mary, and to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph. Pray for us. Yeah. I'm uh, super excited. No. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. In the prayer, Father. I know, I know. Well, it's all open, it's all open. We're open to God's grace at every moment. Yeah. Well, uh, if you're just joining us, this is Father Brian Christensen here at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Rapid City, South Dakota, in the heart of the Black Hills. And I'm with uh, Karen Gibis. We have a great show lined up for today. Yeah, we do. We're going to speak a little bit about St. Joseph, a little bit about just the church in general and focus on the readings of this coming Sunday. So it's kind of a a jam-packed show, but boy, what? I'm just pumped about St. Joseph. So, uh, yeah, I know throughout my my life here, I I would really say like in seminary, beginning to have a deeper relationship with St. Joseph and then over these 21 years of priesthood, growing in my relationship with him. But I would honestly say I would in the last six or seven years, um, a deeper, deeper relationship with him. Um, it was struck on a, on a pilgrimage that I had made back in 2011. That was 10 years ago, I guess, when I went to Bethlehem and just really had a, a, an attraction to Joseph and to his role um, in the, the plan of salvation, how God had chosen him to be the spouse of Mary, to be the guardian of the Redeemer, uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, in Bethlehem, it just really struck me. And at that time, um, our parish back in Timber Lake was um, raising money to build a hall. And, uh, and there it was like, we we're going to, it's going to be St. Joseph Hall. 
and uh, we commissioned a statue right then and there. We had some parishioners on that pilgrimage. Uh, we commissioned a statue of St. Joseph. Um, it's uh, um, 54 inches tall wow. out, of, out of olive wood. Oh, my goodness. Um, by uh, handcrafted there. I got to see this, the stump of wood that they were going to use on carve out. So we picked the wood, went down to the shop, and uh, a couple months later in a big crate um, in Timberlake, South Dakota, showed up this beautiful statue of St. Joseph, which now adorns the entranceway to St. Joseph Hall in Timberlake, South Dakota. So just super exciting. That is really neat. And then over the years, uh, you know, here, especially during my years in, um, on the faculty at the North American College in Rome as a vice rector there, St. Joseph became a huge... Um, um, intercessor for me and an example of spiritual fatherhood for those young men considering the priesthood. So I really grew in that. And then uh, last year did the consecration mm-hmm. of Father Father Calloway with yeah. a bunch of uh, us priests and seminarians here in the Diocese of Rapid City. I um, mean, I remember, you know, uh, just a year ago, uh, yesterday was when we shut everything down, right? Right. And so that day when everything was shut down, all the priests were calling each other and texting each other because we were getting together at a parish here in Rapid City to um, to consecrate ourselves to St. Joseph. It was consecration day on the Feast of St. Joseph. And so we, uh, we were like, can we get together? Should we get together? Um, and eventually we did. We got together and uh, we made the consecration all together in in front of the statue of St. Joseph um, at St. Therese Parish uh, in North Rapids. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. So today is the one-year anniversary. Today is the one-year anniversary and uh, did the consecration again. So I'm looking forward to later today uh, to getting in front of uh, the beautiful icon that we now have here at Cathedral uh, to make my consecration uh, to St. Joseph on this uh, great solemnity. My, my family and I, we did that, but we did it on... St. Joseph's Feast, the St. Joseph the Worker. The Worker, May 1st. Yes, that's so. my my favorite, my personal favorite. So that's why we, that and we were just a little behind. The books were sold out last year. Right, when the, right. <laughs> when you could start yeah. for today's. So it was... Um, well, Karen, we are broadcasting live here from high above the Cathedral of Our Lady. above studio. The studio of Our Lady of Perpetual Help here in Rapid City. And uh, we're being joined here in the, the Cathedral studio uh, by Father Tim Hoyk. So welcome. Good morning, Father Tim. Good morning. I raced over here from uh, Blessed Sacrament Parish this morning after celebrating the Solemnity of St. Joseph. Yeah. yeah. You have a good turnout for the Solemnity Mass? Yeah, not so bad. Not so bad. People are coming to honor St. Joseph. So, good. Well, it's great to have you. Father Tim Hoig is the pastor over at uh, Blessed Sacrament, as I said. And uh, 25 years a priest, is that right? 25 years a priest, yep, that's right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, in your life, uh, any any, uh, um, relationship with Joseph, St. Joseph, that you can kind of recall or relate to our listeners today? You know, I was struck today by our deacon, our deacon, deacon... um, Rob Rabbi preaches on Fridays, so his homily this morning was a great, one of the great reflections he had is that he belongs to a group called St. Joseph's Covenant Keepers, and they, um, they teach in that group that fathers should not only be concerned about their children, but their children's 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 children. Mm. Four generations. Wow. And uh, that St. Joseph... Think of all the generations that St. Joseph has uh, has influenced uh, simply by his willingness to, you know, and he, he was also so in tune to the Holy Spirit that uh, he was able to be in a situation where his betrothed was, was with child, which he knew it wasn't his, 
and he was so in tune to get from a dream, okay, I'm going to raise, I'm going to marry this woman, and I'm going to marry, raise this child as my own, and um, this is God's will. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I was reflecting, and I think in one of the chapters of Father Calloway's book, he uh, talks about Joseph, every time he wakes up, he acts. Like God's working in him, and he's in tune to the Holy Spirit, and he wakes up and he takes Mary as his betrothed. He wakes up and he takes the child to Bethlehem. He wakes up and he takes the Holy Family to Egypt. He wakes up and he brings them back to Nazareth. Like in his prayer, in his being attuned to the Holy Spirit, he senses it and he acts upon it. Um, and this really, really powerful about faith put into action. And, and also how timely it is to have a year of St. Joseph uh, at a time when the family and the church is under such attack. Mm-hmm. Um, even institutional religion as a whole, in a way, is under reta- under attack. And here we have St. Joseph uh, standing stand like, tall. Standing tall. No, I uh, think, you know, you know, Pope Francis has added St. Joseph to all of the Eucharistic prayers, right? So we've added St. Joseph to the four Eucharistic prayers. And here this year of St. Joseph, I mean, these are blessings to the Universal Church, thanks to our Holy Father. So. Karen. Yeah. What's up? You know... There's a lot going on. (laughs) You know, our listeners are going to be so blessed today because you two are going to spend, well, the rest of the hour discussing an amazing book that I read, that obviously you guys read, and hopefully our listeners will want to pick up and read when you're done. Yeah, no, we're talking about the uh, book um, by Monsignor Jim Shea, who is the president of the University of Mary in Bismarck, and it's called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. Pastoral Strategies for an Apostolic Age. Um, sounds pretty heavy. It sounds pretty heavy. Um, but the book is pretty thin. It and is. he does an amazing job. Uh, Monsignor Shea does an amazing job on the University of, of Mary Press uh, of capturing our current climate um, culturally, spiritually, um, maybe you know, diagnosing where we're at, but also showing us that the church in this moment has a great response and is able to thrive indeed um, in these ages. While we feel like we're being closed in upon, um, he provides a, a new vision, a renewed vision um, for, for the life of the church. Well, I just want to point out to our listeners, even though the title, part of the title is pastoral strategies, and you think, well, that's not for me. I'm not a priest. I'm not a deacon. I'm not, I'm not pastoral in any sense of the word. I'm just a mom, a dad, a single person. There is something for everyone in this book. Oh, for sure. And you know... Um, Father Tim and I uh, were able to present, we were invited to present on topics in in general uh, about the new evangelization, about ways in which um, people across western South Dakota here in the Diocese of Rapid City could uh, reflect upon um, pastoral strategies or ways of living out our our life in Christ and sharing that within our families, within our communities, Mm -hmm. within our parish, living that out. Um, And so uh, that was at the Refuel Conference um, back uh, in when January. did we do January? January? Yeah, okay, January. We did the refuel conference back in January at a Terra Sancta retreat center. And um, the refuel conference, uh, Father, do you want to share a little bit about the nature of refuel? And uh, you know, refuel is a conference for catechists in the diocese to kind of. It's in January, so it's kind of supposed to kind of give them a shot in the arm and encouragement to. Uh, uh, it's kind of as the Italians say, kind of coraggio, kind of to give courage. <laughs> Uh, to persevere in their uh, work as catechists kind of halfway through. And uh, because we're 
kind of nearing the end of uh, the COVID catastrophe for the Catholic or for Christianity and for uh, the Catholic world. They've been kind of having telling people to stay away. Now we're all about saying, come home, come back. And so they asked us to give a presentation on, on how we might mobilize Catholics to do something Catholics don't like to do, which is uh, share their faith, ironically. <laughs> we have the fullness, and we don't like to do it. Don't well, that's why we have you know, Real Presence Radio operating 24-7 right. to help us share the Catholic faith uh, from uh, state to state and around the world on, uh, on our broadcast of the media. So. Um, so both of you presented at the Refuel um, conference. Now, it, you had the same general theme, if I'm if I'm right. You know, like one fed into the other, led into the other. But Father Brian, which part did you handle as opposed to Father? I Tim's? did the uh, scare the people out of their socks portion. I'm that was a- that was my first uh, job is to say we're in a bad state. Oh, boy. we're in a bad state. I took out I took out numbers, you know, just from the uh, Catholic Directory um, and from CARA reports, which is a uh, you know a research uh, uh, arm out of uh, University of Notre Dame, and, and and they do a lot of tons of research on the Catholic Church. And so I just took numbers like baptisms in 1980 and baptisms in 2019. Now pre-COVID, right? This is all pre-COVID yeah. numbers. Yeah. I took uh, marriages 1980 and marriages in uh, 2019. To confirmations across those periods of time, and, and what we saw was a tremendous decrease. Right, um, baptisms decreased in the United States uh, almost by half. Um, confirmations. If you took a kid that was baptized in 1980 and you looked in the range of 95, 96, 97, if he was confirmed or not, um, that was down um, almost two thirds. Right, so. We're losing along the way in our Catholic culture um, huge numbers of people along the way, including marriages. Marriages have decreased by over half. And, you know, in that 40, pair, 40 um, Catholic marriages in the church have decreased tremendously. And so, um, and I, I said, and, um, you know, I, that, I've been a, from 2000, you know, 1999 to, you know, 19, uh, 2019, that 20 year span, I've been a priest. Yeah. The numbers are not happening under somebody else's watch. They're yeah. happening under my you, watch. You to, and, and looking out yeah. at the audience there today, they're all in their 40s, 50s, 60s. It's under our watch that this yeah. is happening. We'd like to blame bishops, and we'd like to blame this, and we'd like to blame other people. Or the people in the past that And the people in the past up. that didn't do all their jobs. Okay, well, fine. But after 40 years... We have Who's, to look at ourselves. What are we doing? What are we doing? So that's where we started. And uh, we'll come back after the break here and we'll pick up there because, uh, yeah, we, we have to start doing something different. Because as Father Tim says, if nothing changes, nothing changes. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay with us. We'll be right back here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155. 
and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know that your prayers today can still aid in the salvation of someone who died years ago? I'm Father Chris Alar. God is outside of time, and since he is all-knowing and all-powerful, he knows every prayer you will ever make and has the power to apply those graces to any point in time, past, present, or future. So if you have lost anyone, especially to suicide, and think that they are eternally lost, you can still help them. God can take your prayers from today and give someone grace at the time of their judgment because he forever knew that you would make that prayer and he wants you to help them accept his offer of salvation. So there is still hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Today's Real Presence Live broadcast on the Real Presence Radio Network is brought to you in part by Rose Management. Affordable housing provided, serving North Dakota and Minnesota. 701-237-6840 or rosemanagement.net. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning. I'm Father Brian Christensen, and I'm with my co-host, Karen, Karen Gibbs. And our guest today is <laughs> Father Tim Hoy from Blessed Sacrament here in Rapid City, South Dakota. We're broadcasting here from the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, and I cannot help say what a great day God Beautiful. has given us today. Beautiful, sunny weather, and it's going to be up in the 50s, a little taste of spring before another big snowstorm coming in on the horizon. Well, and I just say, if you're not having good weather, then you must that is a clear sign from God that you need to move to the Black Hills. There you go. <laughs> There's plenty of people moving to the Black Hills. They said in a United Van Lines um, survey um, this this past uh, week or two weeks ago that um, <laughs> South Dakota is the number three destination for vans, moving vans coming. Really? This, yeah. Of the, I forget the other two states. I think Oregon's one of them. I forget the third, second, but then South Dakota. Yeah, no, Dakota. I get it. I mean, who wouldn't want to live here? I get that. <laughs> yeah. People come to vacation here. We're a vacation spot. I tell that to people. I said, hey, we live in a place where people come to vacation. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't forget Perspective. that. Perspective. Don't forget that. So a bad day in the Black Hills, you know. <laughs> I don't know if there's such a thing. No. No. So, well, we're talking this morning of, about uh, the refuel conference a little bit. Um, which is a conference that's put on by the Pastoral Ministry Department of uh, the, the of the Diocese of Rapid City. Um, and they've been doing it for several years um, for our catechists and for pastoral ministers in parishes across uh, our diocese. Now, when we talk about pastoral ministries across pastoral ministers across the Diocese of Rapid City, we're talking mostly about active disciples, volunteers. And yeah. we don't have a lot of paid staff in our parishes. So we have really great committed people. So we had, I think, a... 100 
some odd people at the conference, and then there was they did it also remotely. So in various places across um, Western South Dakota par- parishes, got together with their pastor in their parish hall or. Um, in some place where they could have it broadcast there over Zoom. I think there was a group in Timberlake that gathered and and uh, connected up with us. There was a group even also in Rapid City that was remotely meeting. So and other places. Yeah, and I know out of the out of the chancery, they had a, a hub where they had about thirty thirty five people across all different places that they didn't they couldn't gather in their local parish, but they gathered that way. And I heard their conversations went on, you know, hours after our presentations were over, just discussing things that we had presented. So as we went out of the break, Karen, you had asked me, you know, how did we start? How did you start? And I gave the good news that uh, things didn't look so good by the numbers, right? By the numbers that things didn't look so good. Um, And uh, it's always a great way to start a conference, uh, giving the bad news. (laughs) Giving the bad news. Well, and you you gave the decline in baptism, confirmation, marriages. You didn't mention priests. Yeah, very interesting. In those years, um, priesthood is leveled out with regard to the number of priestly vocations. Now, the number of priests have slowly declined right. because of age. Uh, age, right? And retirement and, mm-hmm. and priests um, passing on. But the number of vocations that are coming through is kind of held steady and the number of ordinations has sta- stayed relatively steady, which is a great sign. Um, it's not uh, huge, right? right? But we, you know, just demographically, kind of a side note is that we had a huge explosion after the war in the 50s and 60s of ordinations that was... Um, Un, un, unprecedented, unprecedented in the church in America. So, um, so we were used to having quite a few uh, priests around. I mean, even here in Western South Dakota, in 1973 was the high water mark of the number of active priests in Western South Dakota. 99 priests. Wow. You know, 99 priests. P- places like uh, Isabel and uh, um, uh, Trail City had resident priests, you know, up there in the northern tier. Um, so, yeah. And both of us uh, in our priesthood have been directors of vocations for the diocese. And we, I think we both would agree that uh, priests in our country actually grew in number after um, some bad things happened to the church where people would say, gosh, you know, certainly no one's going to join the priesthood now because of these kind of bad news for the yeah. church. Uh, but actually, that's not what happened. Actually, priests, more people went in, more young men went into the seminary. And I think that's because, uh, you know, you, if you're going to become a priest now, you're not going to, it's not going to be because of money. You're not going to make a lot of money. I can assure you of that. And you're not going <laughs> to, uh, and uh, you're, 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 it's not going to be a lot of prestige either. Right. Um, um, and um, uh, it's, it's going to be work. It's going to be challenging. It's definitely a manly. It's definitely a manly thing because it's a. Yeah. It's there's lots of work. It's challenging, and it, it takes men, you know, to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the only reason to become a priest now is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which sounds an awful lot like the apostles. Right. Way to turn it back, and so so I left people that after that at the end of that like hey we can't be playing the victims as if mm-hmm. somehow some way there's forces out there that are conspiring against us um we're the followers of jesus christ today as priests as lay men and women as as families following jesus christ and so what are we what is god calling us to do about it what's our response today to this challenge uh to the church uh and to the faith uh, and to the culture in which we live so yeah. can, can i make an assumption that the church made up is made up of individuals 
And as a, it's an institution, it's a community. But the way that the church grows is based, it's, it goes backwards, right? It goes from your parish into your families and into your own self, right? Is that a, an assumption that can be like, you know, if, I like the quote that says, you know, if you want to sanctify society, sanctify yourself. Right. Yeah. No, I would say that it's, it's kind of a very dynamic, right? dynamic relationship that um, each individual um, person comes to their uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. But how did, how did I get that? Right. Mostly, most of us through our families, right? Mm -hmm. So as taught by the example and the life of my mom and dad to know Jesus Christ, to grow up in a life of prayer and scripture and the sacramental life and the communal life of the church. So my family participated in the life of the parish and the parish family fed my family that also fed me. So you see the dynamism of that as well. And then the parish plays its role in the diocesan role and then your bishop with his priests and collaborators. I mean, it It just keeps going to the whole universal church, right? That we all work together. So things come down in a way from our Holy Father and our leaders and our bishops. But they also move back, back up and, and together the Holy Spirit's at work in that kind of structure of the, of the life of the church. Um, and I think part of uh, your presentation, Father Brian, was that, uh, uh, that in, the, in the apostles' world, uh, they were they had no expectation that they were going to be loved and honored and respected. And, in fact, they had the expectation that they were going to be persecuted. In fact, they rejoiced when they were. And uh, we've been living in a, in, a, in a, for some time, believing that we live in an age of Christendom, which is um, that the church is powerful, it's a political leader, uh, the, the bishop has authority with politicians and if we cater to this political party or another they're going to listen to us and respect us and we have a lot of power and um, that's just not true and it hasn't been true now for like 30 years mm-hmm. yeah and um, uh, and so under that mindset when um, public schools or you know I shouldn't pick on them myself but when when there's sporting events things on Wednesday nights, we still want to get angry and offended, and how dare they do that to us? Don't they know that, that this is our night? And um, uh, we're just trying to change their mind, people's mindset to say, yeah, that age when we were powerful and everyone looked to us and we were respected and we were a political force, that's over. Right. That's dead now. Yeah, and that's the point that Monsignor Shea makes right from the get-go in his in his book. You know, uh, from Christendom to Apostolic Mission, he he quotes uh, um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and let me read that from the from this introduction by Monsignor Shea. He says, in 1974, Archbishop Fulton Sheen said in the conference, "We are at the end of Christendom, not of Christianity, not of the Church, but of Christendom." Right, So we're at the end of Christendom. That idea that the church has some kind of influence in the political, social, cultural life. That in, Not only that the church has influence, but that the whole of society is influenced by these basic Christian principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's dead. And we, and, and, to, and we can get frustrated. And I think this is what happens. Like you were just saying, Father Tim. is like when things in the political world, in education, in sports, in the culture that are happening here, and they're not reflecting that Christian culture, we're like, what the heck is going on here? Why are they not doing that? Because we still have that Christendom mindset that the world operates on gospel principles. That's right. And I think one of the big obstacles to pro- pro- proclaiming the gospel is that we can't 
we can't be negative. Um, and uh, we have, we, we, you know, partly in, in part because we have news media on both the right and the left are working hard to make us angry. And, <laughs> and go, um, doing and a good job. doing a great job at it. <laughs> Succeeding. Um, and just frothing us up and getting us angry and all twisted up in our anger. But um, the, message, the gospel is proclaimed with joy. And so we have to stop being insulted and stop being offended and stop being, um, how dare you treat us this way. Um, we still need to fight for what's right. We still need to take political action in defense of the gospel and all those things. But we have to do it with, with, with hope and joy, knowing that our hope is not put in actually our government. Our hope is put in, in Christ. It's not put in a president. It's put in Jesus Christ. That we, we have to be joyful and happy about that. No one's going to want to join a group of people that's all mad and look like they've been sucking green persimmons all day long. <laughs> it does not seem appealing to me at all. No, definitely. I mean, Pope, Pope Francis makes that abundantly clear in the joy of the gospel. You know, his encyclical letter on evangelization. So, uh, yeah, we can't go around people that look like they are in a perpetual Lent <laughs> or that we all just right. came from a funeral, you know, he mentions. There's so. a time and a place for... To be solemn, but when you're trying to change the world, trying to in, in, you know teach the gospel, inspire good moral values, you cannot be somber about it. You need to be joyful and rejoice and let them want that which you have. So we're not in this age of Christendom. We live in an apostolic age, right? So we live more today like the first and second century Christians um, than we do, you know, 16th century or even, you know, early 20th century Christians who were clear in their identity Mm -hmm. of the principles of of a Christian society. And even if everybody wasn't a perfect Christian, they knew the they knew the values of it and had a sense of an afterlife and a moral code and, and a relationship that was built around the gospel. Um, so that's dead today. But what's the excitement that we have to live in this apostolic age, like our first um, fathers and mothers in the faith of, who follow Jesus? I, I was saying, you're, you're not making it sound that appealing right now. It's so. going to be great. Okay, so. Stand by. After the break. Yeah, I hope we you will got, tell us. We got something great to live for. So we'll be back after this break. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. 
There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning. I'm Father Brian Christensen, and I'm joined by... Karen Gibis. We are broadcasting here from Our Lady of Perpetual Help Cathedral in Rapid City, South Dakota. And we're joined this morning by Father Tim Hoig. He's the pastor of Blessed Sacrament Church on the west side of Rapid City. Father Tim, good morning. Good morning. We are in the middle of a great discussion, uh, you know, that... We had done a presentation back in January for catechists and pastoral ministers called Refuel at Terra Sancta Retreat Center here on the west side. Um, and it was a great uh, great conversation, and it spurred a lot of great um, conversation within parishes and, and ongoing now. And we used a lot of the materials uh, for our conversation uh, from Monsignor Jim Shea's book, uh, From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. Um, and in that, we see that um, this idea of a... Ap- of a uh, Christendom age, or where the church has tremendous influence within the society and the society itself, the culture is based um, on Christian and gospel principles, uh, is no longer true. And if we continue to think that we live in that age, it causes us frustra- frustration and anger. We keep beating our heads against the wall of like, why are people not listening? And Monsignor proposes that we're really in a different time. We're in this um, age, uh, uh, this apostolic age, and he likens it to the, the early church at the very beginnings who set out into a culture that knew nothing about the gospel, knew nothing about Jesus Christ and his saving plan, knew nothing about um, this vision of the world according to God's plan that he reveals in Jesus Christ. Um, and you were just talking about um, how uh, how they might go about that with joy. You want to kind of expand upon that apostolic age that we find ourselves in. Yeah, I mean, we, the apostles, they rejoiced when they were persecuted. And so, I'm just saying that we, you know, we have to do that. We have to change our mind from being offended and angry and um, uh, uh, unjoyful people to put our hope, in, our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ and look to him to fulfill us and not to our government or to our politics or to a political party or to a president and not be shocked when they act in anti-Christian ways because that's kind of the world we live in now and uh, you know when, when we're true to who we are and we put our trust in Jesus Christ and we look for him to be our joy and we say okay well um, I might not be able to change the government 
or uh, the political sphere, but I, what can I do in my neighborhood, and what can I do in my family, and how can we bind, how can we kind of huddle together and enjoy our faith, and that, that's what spread the gospel. In the midst of all this chaos and persecution, the I mean, church is persecuted, you know, burnt at the stake and whole, all kinds of fed to the lions, first 200 years or more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's when they grew like wildfire. Right. How, who would join a group that was being persecuted like that? Well, it was because they, they enjoyed their life. <laughs> they enjoyed their life. They enjoyed their faith. They found hope and promise and joy and happiness in the midst of all that because their faith wasn't in their government. Mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ. No, there's no possible way that you could have faith in the Roman government at the time and the local governors and the, and Caesar that he was going to be, you know, supporting your principles for life in Christ. And 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 the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. No, definitely not. And so here in in our moment here, you know, we need a total change uh, of our minds. Like St. Paul said, be renewed in your mind. Don't be conformed to this age. But be, be transformed by the renewal of your mind to have the mind of Christ. I mean, one of the great um, uh, sections here in Monsignor's book is when he kind of says, let's take the day, you know, uh, after the resurrection and, uh, and the... Uh, um, and the, the Pentecost, and they have the first kind of pastoral council meeting and, and kind of assess what kind of resources okay. what do, do we, we have? have? What do we have, right? <laughs> yeah, and right. he says, we got, we got 11 bishops. How many priests do we have? Same. Um, how many religious orders do we have? None. How many seminaries do we have? Zero. How many seminarians? None. What's our political influence? Zero. <laughs> Zero. So he just goes on and on with what, like if we were going to take stock uh, of the resources of the church day one, I mean, it looked pretty dismal, like from our perspective, because we always want to say, what? What do we have here? How many people can we get involved? How are we going to do this? Right? How much money can we, yeah, how much money did they have in the bank? Zero. Yeah, Judas gave it all away. (laughs) (laughs) Threw in the temple. But, you know, so, um, yeah, so the resources that we see, what did they have? What did they have? The power of the resurrection. Power. Their fingertips. Yep, they had Jesus Christ. They had their confidence that he was alive, that that he was guiding them, that he had given them a great commission, that he had asked them. Now, this is what is mind boggling, right? He had asked these 11 men to go and to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Right? Go to the ends of the earth. And they did it. They couldn't wait. They couldn't wait. They went about doing it. And it unfolded. And we see in the Acts of the Apostles um, how um, powerful their faith and the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit was at work within them. Um, yeah, so I think we, gotta, we kind of start to pray like that where we say... Uh, Lord, help me be okay to look foolish for the gospel. You know, if I go to talk to my neighbors about uh, my faith in Jesus Christ, help me be okay if they look at me like I'm a radical. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Remembering radical comes from the Latin radic, which means to be rooted, which we want. We want to mm-hmm. be rooted in Christ. And so we have to be okay with looking foolish. We have to be okay with being persecuted where we go and say, well, our family, we're Catholics, and uh, f- we do this on this holiday. We'd like you to join us. Would you come over and join us for, for, for dinner? And we, this is how we celebrate Christmas. Or this is how we um, um, gather on Sunday. Would you join? You know, and be okay if they say or treat us poorly because of our faith. And not to 
be angry or, or d- discouraged or disappointed, uh, but to rejoice and say, well, okay, but hey, if you change your mind, we're still going to be happy and joyful over here when you're sad and discouraged. <laughs> if you want to be happy and joyful, hey, you can come and join us. Yeah, and, you know, and that's the key, too, is also like um, Pope uh, Benedict XVI talks about, you know, what, is, what, is, what does it mean to be a Christian? It's not about following a set of rules and dogmas and doctrines, but that it's an encounter uh, with an event, with a person. And the person of Jesus Christ that changes our whole direction of our life and the whole horizon of our life. Um, and so that relationship with Christ, that relationship with Christ in the life of the church um, as a community that builds us and strengthens us and does give us um, hope in the, in the current age and, and promise for eternal life. So when it comes to evangelization, we've got to think on a more practical level. We have to start thinking about... Um, how can we uh, share our faith with our neighbors? Right, right. So you were you were saying, okay, like um, <laughs> one of the things that we talked about before the conference is like, okay, how do we give a conference to our diocese and not make more work for the priests? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Good we, plan. All, we, we hate going to conferences and then they come back with just a whole other huge program that takes tons of planning and effort and... And you can get lost in the bureaucracy and never actually get to the point of the program in the end. <laughs> yeah, people go off to programs and, and, and different conferences across the country. With, they're great. But they come back, Father, we have to do this. And you have to do this and this. And then you're like. <sighs> so, so we were able to present a plan that really uh, didn't ask that much of priests. <laughs> except, except to be the ones to provide the support and encouragement uh, and um, Grace, you know, dispense the grace to them that they're going to need to to do the work that Second Vatican Council called them to in the Apostle of the Laity. To say, you have a mission in the church, and your mission in the church is to bring your Christianity to your school, to the playground, to the football field, to um, your workplace, to your office, to your neighborhood. And not not to be uh, discouraged or ashamed of it, but to do it with joy and to, you know, infuse the culture with the, with the faith. Right. I think for, first the, the the person and the family are deeply rooted in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That that's that's the one thing, the one person. This is the relationship that that. Um, gives them life, right? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so the life of the parish, as you said, Father Tim, is the dispensing of graces uh, through word and sacraments um, and the communal life. And, and then from there, you know, the family strengthened, individual Christians are strengthened in their relationship with Christ uh, to go and to transform the culture around them, to transform the world. A world that doesn't believe what they believe, that doesn't, is not always open to what they want to share, Right. And one of the great things about the church now is we have a ton of resources available f- for the lay uh, man and woman um, that they can use in lots of different ways. For example, let's say you're on the you're, you live out in the country, you just have to ask yourself, how many Catholics live on my road? How many Catholics live on my road? And maybe you could get together once a week, or maybe maybe once a month even, or once every couple weeks, some kind of regular interval where you get together, you have a meal together. You get on formed or you get online and you show some video that uh, some series about the faith. And you just watch a little video for half an hour, have a discussion. And that's it. Mm-hmm. 
and start to build and grow the Catholic faith. And once you kind of start to form your little community there of Catholics, then people will, will, will want to be a part of what you have. They'll look in on you like they did on the early church, and they'll say, I don't know what they have. I don't know what the guy, mm-hmm. they got on for them. Or, I don't know who this Jesus is, but I want what they have. Yeah. No, you, you raise a couple of great points. One is that I think we're in a blessed age. Um, resources like Real Presence Radio and Catholic Radio across the nation is a great blessing to so many. Um, but we have things like Ascension Press and Form.org um, and uh, uh, you know everything that's going on. And I mean, like the resources are available if people want them to grow in faith in good, um, real Orthodox ways. So that's yeah. one. That's one great thing. You mentioned thing that people want what they have. I, I was thinking back to a, a young man that came into the church two years ago, um, and I asked him, you know, what what inspired you to come to church? I mean, he grew up with nothing, nothing like a, a, a total blank slate. And he said, I was working at at, uh, at the business where I was here in Rapid City, and there was this young woman who was always smiling, always joyful, always greeted everybody, even when it seemed like it was things were going wrong and things were spilling on her aisle and things weren't going right and her computer wasn't working. She was always always happy, ready to go and stuff like that. I finally said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, what is wrong with you? She said, what do you mean? She said, you're always happy. You're always smiling. You're always greeting me. You're always saying hi. She said, I don't know. I guess it's my faith in Jesus Christ. You know, just joyfully said that. Said, and Slowly over the weeks and months, he kept asking her more questions. Jesus Christ, how, how does he help you? And on and on. She, she had joyfully sharing, easily sharing what she, she's Catholic, goes to church here uh, in, uh, in the city. Um, he finally said, can I go with you? And then introduced to a priest. I said, why don't you come and join us here for these prayer meetings? And then finally into RCA and, and baptized and confirmed. And uh, just a powerful witness of joy. Christ yeah. gives me life. So, so you gave the example of just getting together on your street. What are some of the other ways that um, that folks can really deepen their faith and then open up their lives and their homes to others? One of the things that people want to do is, rather than invite people into their home or do something like that that's a little more personal, is they say, well, we'll just take them to Mass. Well, that's, that's great. We want to get them to Mass in the end. But that's like the deep end. When you're teaching somebody to swim, you don't start at the deep end. You have some shallow... You don't want to throw them right into the deep end of the pool and watch them flail around, huh? So, yeah, no, for sure. So you want to have some shallow entry points. <laughs> well, we're going to come back after this break uh, and talk about some of those shallow entry points um, and kind of that analogy of moving people from standing outside the pool outside the faith, without a knowledge of Jesus Christ and the gospel, and moving them deeper into a life of grace in Jesus Christ. We'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Honor your Father by word and deed, that a blessing from Him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. As a working Catholic professional, your needs and priorities for returning to college don't match a traditional campus experience. 
That's why the University of Mary has created a portfolio of truly affordable, truly flexible, and truly formative online graduate programs that are sure to align with today's needs. Advance your skills while strengthening your faith at the University of Mary. Visit us at catholicprofessional.life. That's dot L-I-F-E. Today's Real Presence Live broadcast on the Real Presence Radio Network is brought to you in part by Rose Management. Affordable housing provided. Serving North Dakota and Minnesota. 701-237-6840 or rosemanagement.net. Real Presence Radio is experiencing rapid growth and has an additional opening in the Rapid City area for a part-time listener relations coordinator. This person will assist with spreading the word about RPR, including help with the live drives, fall banquet, and major gifts. A qualified candidate should demonstrate excellent self-management and time management skills. If you sense a call to serve God in this capacity, please send a cover letter, your resume, and references to Brittany at realpresentradio.com or call 877-795-0122. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back here to Real Presence Live. We are broadcasting live from Rapid City, South Dakota at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. It's a beautiful day in the Black Hills. If it is not beautiful where you are, consider moving here and joining either Father Brian's parish here at the cathedral or Father Tim's parish at Blessed Sacrament. Both are amazing witnesses to our faith. And they have been leading us in a phenomenal discussion about how we are no longer in the Christendom age. No, we are in an apostolic age, as Monsignor Shea so aptly labels it, that, and it's an exciting time. Like, living with Christ in this age is a great adventure, right? If um, I think about what Jesus said with regard to the road per, uh, to perdition is wide, and many travel it, and many travel it. Um, well, that's kind of scary to me. Like, the road to perdition is wide, and many travel it. But the, the, there's a narrow way. Um, and those who follow Christ can follow the narrow ways. Narrow way is not the impossible way. He doesn't say that. But he says that it's narrow and, and those who follow him, and if we stay close to him, he'll guide us through that way of real and authentic life. That's an adventure today because it's, it's easy to be a jerk. Yeah, no, I mean, there's one way you can look at it. You kind of see the ship as this giant like cruise ship that's sinking. And you can say, oh my gosh, it's so terrible. People are leaving. What are we going to do? We should run around and be mad and angry and calamitous. Or you could say, well, actually, the ship is just, we're we're kind of in a small boat now. And uh, we have this whole ocean to to explore and to evangelize. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, thinking, if we have the mindset of the apostles, if we have the mindset of the early church, um, we are on a great mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to set people free, to bring light into darkness, to bring hope where there's discouragement, to bring authentic you know, human life uh, through the grace that God provides. Now, at the break, you were kind of going into this idea that um, many times, as Catholics, you know, our, the center of our faith um, is the Eucharist. It's the source and summit of our Christian faith. And so Mass is at the heart of what we do. And so we have this idea we're going to invite people into mass and they'll yeah. they'll catch they'll, they'll catch. catch it because i love it and so i'll just bring them to what i love and they'll i won't really have to do anything i'll just have to 
get them in my car and get them in mass, and then the priest and the church will just do this everything, and they'll get it. And they'll get no, it. No, but it's not going to work out that way. So <laughs> instead of taking them into what you call the deep end of our faith, into the profound mystery of the mass and the grace that's outpoured there and the communal life that's shared there, how, how might we begin in this apostolic age to, to bring people to Christ? I think that we have to be great friends to other people. You know, just the example you gave in, in the story about this young man who came to faith because of this woman who he worked with who was joyful and happy and greeted him and was friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we have to do with our neighbors. We can't keep, uh, you know, we have to fight against the, the COVID mentality of hiding, hiding in our homes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to go out to our neighbors and be friendly and joyful and welcoming and invite them to our barbecues, invite them to make friends first. After your friends for a little while, then you can talk about more intimate things, like your faith. Mm-hmm. And um, they might even ask you why you're joyful. Why, in the midst of all the crazy political scene, that uh, it seems that, that the world is not living as you wish it were. But how can you be so joyful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's where you start. Make friends. Invite them to your barbecues. Invite them to the, your things. Find a way to share the faith with them. Uh, but it has to be on that level first. It has to be in your neighborhood first. It's interesting. I mean, Jesus really does, you know, befriend people. Befriend people. I think of the woman at the well that we mm-hmm. had in the gospel. You know, he spends time with her and just starts sharing with her. Um, and, you know, you see the apostles, too, going to these places um, throughout the, the Mediterranean basin in the early days of the church. And they're befriending people. In fact, Paul talks about the friends that he made along the way. You and, know. you know, if you were, the other thing is if you've been in a Bible study for 20 years and you have developed this rich, deep friendship with these people, you have to ask yourself, has anyone new come into our group? Mm-hmm. So you have to ask yourself, are we really growing and evangelizing? Or are we just comforting one another as our group dies together? Yeah, yeah, no, that's an interesting Powerful. thing. Trying to, <laughs> trying to open up our, our relationship with Christ to others. It's great that we have that support, right? I love that I have mm-hmm. friendships in Christ and I have priest fraternity group that supports and encourages me. But if I just stayed in that group and didn't open that to others and to my life to others... What are we, we're gonna we're gonna have that bunker mentality. Yeah, where we just die together. Yeah, and comforting one another as we die together, instead of sharing our joy and our intimate relationship with Christ with others. Yeah. So it sounds like it sounds like this work of evangelization or sharing Jesus Christ um, takes some effort. It does take some effort. It takes some risk. You have to be willing to look foolish. You have to be willing to not have all the answers. One of the great things about being Catholic is we actually have all the answers, but you don't have to know them all. Yeah. You can say, if you're, if you're willing to say, you know what, I don't know, but I'll find out. Then you go find out. You're going to grow in your faith, too. You're going to study the faith. You're going to grow in it. You're going to have to go back, represent it another way. Hey, this is what I found out. They might ask you another question you don't know. You'll have to go back and study it, find the answer. We don't have to, you don't have to have all the answers. The answers can be found. The right. church possesses the fullness of the truth, and the answers can be found, no doubt about that. But you have to be willing to go out there and get in the conversations and be willing to look a little foolish and be okay with the fact that you don't know the answer and, and say, I don't know, but I'll get back to you. I'll go find out. Right. No, I, that's one of the things that I came before I entered into seminary when I was uh, active duty in the military. Guys would ask me questions, especially a good buddy of mine who I flew with in B1's Charlie, and he would ask me questions about my faith. And um, at first I was nervous. I didn't know, but at that time was the catechism of the Catholic Church came out. 
And over time, as he asked me questions, as I researched it, I might have asked my parish priest or looked things up in the catechism and brought them back to him. I was growing in my faith that whole time. But one thing that I, that I still adhere to today that I learned way back then um, is that um, I may not have all the answers, even as a priest, but the church does. Yeah. The church does, and she has been um, guided by the Holy Spirit. She has been shown and, and, and enlivened by the grace of Jesus Christ, and also has been a great study of human nature over right. 2,000 years. If you want to grow in your faith, share your faith. Mm-hmm. If you, you say, well, I don't really know my faith well enough to share it, it's a great time to start. Right. Ask the Holy Spirit for the right words at the right time in the right way, and be okay with looking a little foolish and not knowing the right answers, but the willingness to study it and get back to the person. You'll grow in your faith like you But in a lot imagined. of ways, a lot of ways what you're asking people with regard to family barbecues and, and Bible studies or faith sharing groups and that kind of stuff, is not so much catechesis or teaching of the, the dogmas and doctrines of the faith. But sharing a witness. Yeah, it's being friendly and welcoming and sharing your joy. What gives you joy? Be, be, be willing to, to uh, um, give a reason for your hope. Yeah, give you a know? reason for the hope that's in you. Now, people will say, well, Father, that's pretty shallow. <laughs> well, it is, it is a shallow end. But it's just the beginning. And you're just taking them by the hand and bringing them gradually into the fullness of the faith. Um, but you, like, yeah, I can say you so. Can so after I have a few that. barbecues with them, we've had a few conversations. Then I bring them to mass. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But the, uh, our parishes, as a priests actually do, actually have to do some work here. They, they do have to, you know, create some shallow entry points at the parish level. Uh, Alpha is one of those ways where it's uh, just basically asking questions: What's the meaning of life? What brings happiness to life? Who is Jesus Christ? Does God exist? Those kind of programs. We do have to have kind of some shallow entry points to where we welcome people in. Uh, the Will Graham event coming up uh, that we're getting on board with is, is, a, is, a, is one of those uh, opportunities to just say, everybody, if you want to get to heaven, actually you do have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing we can get on board with our separated mm-hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ on that point. And... Um, so and there's other things that happen at, at parishes too, parish festivals. I mean, I do think that um, that the Stations of the Cross, for example, here in the Lenten season, is a great place to invite somebody who you've been having a conversation with about the faith because it doesn't need a lot of explanation. We're reflecting right. on very clear moments of Christ's passion. There's not a lot of explanation that has to happen. Oh, what is this about? Why are we standing? Why are we? Ne-? No, it's very clear. This is about. It's about Christ and his condemnation and his suffering leading to the cross. And his love for us. And this is what he was willing us. to do for his love for us. Yeah, yeah. it's a great... It's a great entry point. Yeah. And I you know, would also encourage, you know, a lot of parishes in our listening area have adoration. There's another place to bring people in. What are you doing here? I'm spending time with the Lord. It's just quiet. Here's a little book you might want to read while we're here. So, well, Father Tim, we're going to have to wrap up. Uh, there's a lot more that we could explore here. and um, But it's been a great discussion and a lot of uh, fruitful, um, fruitful discussion that we can lead to great action in this apostolic age. So thanks to Father Tim Ahoy from Blessed Sacrament for joining us today. Karen, what's up next? Up next, we're going to figure out what to unpack the Sunday readings that are coming up. It's going to be exciting. We're going to be joined um, by a priest from the Diocese of Fargo. So stay with us here on Real Presence Radio. We will be back after a short break. <laughs> 